As always, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns of Odin. We've recently had a huge restocking on all of our leather and ironwork, including our Milner pendants, horn stands, and leather rune horn belt hangers. And all items are handmade in the UK. Head over to www.hornsofodin.com to check out our full range. Don't forget to use the code HORNS10 to grab 10% off store-wide. That's code HORNS10 as exclusive to you listeners of the podcast. I'm genuinely really excited to introduce our latest sponsor. As a self-confessed giant comic book nerd, I'm so happy that we've been able to team up with Things From Another World. If, like me, you've been missing our Comic-Cons this year, then Things From Another World have you covered. So Things From Another World offer over 30,000 pop culture products with thousands of comics, toys, statues, apparel, graphic novels, and tons of other collectibles. They have a huge variety of products from hundreds of manufacturers, including DC Direct, Dark Horse, Hasbro, McFarlane, Marvel, Tokyo Pop, Master Replicas, Disney, and much, much more. If that's not enough, they carry the full Diamond Distributor catalogue, so you can pick up the latest titles as soon as they hit the shelves, and also they ship worldwide. So head over to their website by clicking on the link in the show notes and find the perfect gift for a loved one or a cheeky little treat for yourself. Remember to click the link in the show notes so they know that we sent you. Let's take a moment to hear from another new sponsor, Idle Sleep. Idle Sleep are one of the top mattress companies in the USA. They're so confident in their mattresses that they offer an unprecedented 18-month risk-free trial. That's a massive 548 days. That means you can try it out for 547 days and still be entitled to send it back and get your money back. That's five times longer than the other top competitors. No matter whether you like a soft or firm mattress, Idle Sleep have got you covered. Their mattresses incorporate air cell gel memory foam, ensuring that you stay cool and comfortable all night long. And right now, Idle Sleep are running a huge fall sale and are offering a whopping 20% off store-wide with the code FALL20. That's FALL20. Click the link in the show notes to check out their full range of products and enjoy a great night's sleep. Right, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farrand, co-owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Hello, everyone. So this time, we're talking with Sierra White. Sierra's a drummer in, well, multiple bands, actually, Oak, Ash, and Thorn, uh, Harvard, and also Last Word. And aside from that, Sierra, you uh, put on the um, online concert and uh, sort of artist uh, venue of however you call that on on you know social media death in my metal not in my streets back in uh, in august on the 22nd and um the proceeds from that you donated to blm in denver so yes. yeah welcome to the show thank you thank you thank you guys for having me yeah. awesome i mean yeah thank you for taking the time to to come on and uh, obviously you sound like a very busy person a lot of yeah. a lot of music anyway <laughs> definitely yeah i mean I, I guess the first question i want to ask is how does it work being in being the drummer in four bands does like 
I guess I've never had a chance to ask a drummer this before. Do you, is there like any jealousy between the bands or do people get, get kind of uneasy? Well, not uneasy, but you know, like, like I guess jealousy is the right word of like you being in the going to drumming for another band. Um, no, I haven't run into that yet. Um, I just really just try to have my designated time for each band. And like, like for example, last word, it's every Thursday. Oak Ash and Thorn is every Friday. Harvard, um, usually on Sundays, like one Sunday a month, you know, so I just try to like prioritize everybody and then spend my own time practicing the music, you know, but it's got to be very organized. for sure. <laughs> everybody gets a day, a day of the week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How, how about you, Matthias? Have you been up to anything fun? Well, I mean, uh, uh, you know, all the all the regular stuff, uh, I guess, um, you know, lately we've been both i guess dealing a little bit with the fallout from multiple episodes we we <laughs> we, <laughs> we start we started by by being called all kinds of uh, random slurs by uh right wing nitwits uh who didn't like our episode on uh <laughs> uh non binary genders and uh, transgenders in the viking age uh the possibility that it could could have been homosexual Vikings. And yeah, then uh, now we're dealing a little bit with some backlash from uh, having Jack Donovan on our, our podcast. Um, although I would, I would say that the backlash that we're getting from the crowd that aren't happy with Jack Donovan's appearance on our podcast uh, is a lot more uh, well-founded and articulated in the sense that they, they've actually done research. They're not just calling us cucks or lift hearts <laughs> or something like that. So... <laughs> I mean, I, I I appreciate critical feedback here. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, it, it's you can definitely tell the difference in the in the in the response. Like you say, one was very kind of abusive and calling us idiots, and you know some ridiculous comments about being thrown in bogs and all sorts of of stuff. And then, like you said, the other one at least it's articulate and. And expressing their opinion in in the right way, you know, if you're going to get feedback, then a nice email, you know, expressing why they feel that maybe you shouldn't have done the episode, or you know, that that's the way I would prefer to get it. Very much agree. Yeah, no, I it's it it is what it is. We um we we try to um offer certain different perspectives on this podcast, and this time we're. You know, we have Sierra here, um, and we're really happy to have you here, Sierra. We really want to hear Thank about you, yeah, the, the things that you uh, have have been doing with, um, especially like uh, uh, death in my metal, not in my streets. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about what that is, like what happened? Yeah, here? absolutely, sure, sure. Um, so, uh, like a lot of people, twenty twenty for me has been fucking. I don't want to say it's been all bad. It's been a lot of good too, but it's just been completely uncomfortable and just a lot of things that were normal or normalized are are not anymore. And one of those things for me is just the topic of racism, overt or covert racism. Um, Me being a mixed person, you know, I have a white mother and a black father. Um, I have always kind of been in the middle, I guess, as far as how I feel about those concepts, like 
it's it's always been there, but I've never spoken out about it until this year, until now. Um, and what really was the last thing that just got me was the death of George Floyd. Um, that's really what kind of sent me over the edge uh, with the whole thing. And that was the reason why I wanted to do something. So it, it, on that, like it wasn't, I don't really care the kind of person that George Floyd was. You know, a lot of, a lot of folks justify his death saying that, oh, he was a bad person. I don't, that, I still don't think that that was. the most ridiculous thing. I know. I just, I still don't understand why that could justify the way that he died. I mean, cops aren't supposed to take people dead. They're not, they're not supposed to kill the bad guys either. You know what I mean? So, no, I mean, that, whatever. That, that's what, what I, uh, that's kind of like what I always said was that it, it doesn't matter whether he's the most evil criminal on the face of the planet. We li- we've decided to live in a society where, you know, the, the people should be tried in a court of law, judged by the peers and then, you know, sentenced and, and given your set, you know, and you, you serve your sentence. So the police are an arm of, of the citizens and their, their job is to take literally just move people from point A to point B. So, you know, they, they will arrest them wherever and they will transport them to, to the prison for holding until they go to, to court. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, the other person spits at the police officer, swears and does anything. Obviously, they shouldn't do it, but the police should, you know, they're not, it, they say they should be held accountable at a different level and, and they have to, they're not entitled to use that kind of force. It's right. It, it's mind-boggling to me that anyone can say, well, you know, he was a criminal, so he deserved it. No, he didn't. Nobody fucking deserves that. It doesn't matter how you look at it. It doesn't matter what he's done. You know, it's it's their job is to to take them to the prison, to the court, and then we go through our civil, you know, with us, we're meant to live in a civilized nation. Right. Civilized world. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. So just watching that happen and just watching so many of people that I associate with justify what happened was really like, okay, I, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Of course. Absolutely. Okay, yes. okay cool. So just seeing that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, just seeing that was like, I am just fucking done. So I um I started follow I changed my social media completely. I started following a lot of activists, um, people of all races and backgrounds and genders, just to like get a perspective, get an idea, see what people are doing. And the one thing that stood out to me was, um, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said there are different lanes to activism. Know your lane and know what you can do. Not everyone is made for protesting. Not everyone is made for crowdfunding. Not everyone is made for you know, supplying people with food or supply or whatever. So I was like, okay, what do I do? I'm a musician and I know a lot of musicians. I know a lot of artists. So I was like, shoot, let's, let's get a, a show together or let's get some bands together, some artists and do what we do, play music, make art and do it to raise funds. And then let's just give all the money to BLM because they will fund it to where it needs to go. Uh, bail funds, community healing, stuff like that. So the, I just put a video out and I was just like, hey, because me and my friend, Alasia, um, another local activist here in Loveland, Colorado, she was like, hey, sis, I want to do a protest in Loveland. Are you down to help me? And I was like, absolutely. So we put together this thing, like 100 people showed up and it was super cool. So after I did that, I put the word out saying that I was like calling all my musician friends who want to get involved, whoever um, I'm trying to put together a live streamed show for their because we're in these COVID streets, you know, we can't get together in a venue, but let's put together some sort of show that people can watch and donate money. And then we will donate to whoever we feel needs it. 
Um, and I had a, a really great response from that. Um, my buddy Cameron Johnston, who plays guitar for a band called We Are William here in Northern Colorado, he hit me up almost immediately and was like, hey, I'm down to help. What do we need to do? What's your ideas? Um, and then we just kind of took it from there. We were like, let's make it a music fest, like something that we would see, that we would watch, you know, like kind of layer it that way, opening band, headliner, big headliner, um, all different genres. I mean, the the majority of the bands were metal bands, uh, all different kinds of metal. And then we had one kind of like American Celtic folk type band called Landward Rogues out of Grand Junction, Colorado. So that was really cool. But we just put the word out and a bunch of people hit us up and said, hey, we're down. Um, and then the ball just kind of started rolling. And since this was a fundraiser thing uh, for the movement, for the Black Lives Matter movement, we wanted to kind of make it special in that regard. So I had the idea of um, bringing in people to do interviews um, in between the band sets, just so like you watch a couple bands and then watch some interview uh, just of folks, different people in the scene who have different perspectives um, and representation all across the spectrum of people. So we had our good buddy, um, James Boyd, African-American gentleman who played bass for a band called Smack Factor. And then Alasia, my homegirl, who's also mixed. Um, we had our buddy, Mikey Stansel, who plays guitar for a legion. Uh, he is white and part of the LGBTQ community. And then, um, our buddy, uh, Evan Salvador plays guitar and does vocals for a band called Pile of Priests out of Denver. And he, um, identifies as white and is cisgender. So I like specifically wanted a perspective and then I interviewed as well. Um, and I just wanted a perspective from every single one of those people, since we're all kind of different, we're all, all sort of on the same side. So I wanted to kind of highlight that and kind of make it more inclusive because I know that's part of the misconception of black lives matter, that it's like only for black and colored folks or only black and brown people. And that's couldn't be further from the damn truth. So I really wanted that, um, spectrum of people in there talking. Um, so we had that. And then um, we also had artists, local artists, like um, tattoo artists, photographers, visual artists, painters, donate pieces of their art to the cause that we kind of used as a way to promote the event. Um, so they donated pieces. We made a flyer for each piece and said, hey, buy this for $20, buy this for $200, whatever it was, all that money goes to Black Lives Matter. And then you get this sweet piece of art. And we had, that was actually um, my homegirl's idea. Her name's Allie Tuttle. She's a tattoo artist at, I believe it's Dark Space Collective, Art Collective, Dark Space, something in New York, <laughs> Troy, New York. And um, that was her idea to get some visual artists in the mix. So we had a bunch of our, art, our artist friends give us a bunch of sweet art of which we found a home for every piece and then it, it just kept rolling. Like somebody was like, hey, do you guys have T-shirts? We want T-shirts. So we were like, okay, shit, I guess we're going to make some fucking T-shirts. And then we did a pre-order thing for that. And that we sold almost 80 shirts, which was great. And then um, the guys in We Are William cut everything and put all the footage together, ran the stream on the air day, and everything just went swimmingly. All the bands did really well. Everyone sold some merch. Everyone sold art. We got a bunch of just because donations. Um, the chats in the live stream were just, it was great. It was just like being on the floor of a venue during a show. You know, people were like, like reconvening, like they hadn't seen each other in a while. So that everyone was talking and people were buying things from the bands. And it was just, it ended up being really, really cool. So, and we were actually able to raise uh, the exact amount was $2,802.86 that we gave to 
Black Lives Matter Denver the other day. So all good things. Wow, that's oh, wow. that's so cool. That's so awesome to hear. Um, yeah. So you you mentioned a little bit like uh, how how you wanted uh, this to be perceived and also how how you want people to understand Black Lives Matter. Um, would you care to share a little bit about what what uh, what does it mean Black Lives Matter? I think um, you see out there people misunderstanding the concept a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. At least that's that's what I've been seeing. And for any of our listeners who might not necessarily know what Black Lives Matter stand for, would you care to just like share an elevator speech of that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I, th I think everybody has their own idea of, of what it means. So for me, in this just my perspective, um, I to me, Black Lives Matter means Black Lives Matter too like as well. And to me, that looks like equal or at least better treatment from law enforcement. Um, better, I mean, the neighbor, everything from like the kids in school to the neighborhoods to even healthcare, you know, you go to the hospital, you are subject to not getting the same treatment that you would normally get if you had lighter skin. I mean, I know that seems bizarre um, to some people because You know, if if you're not colored, you're not going to run into that issue. So you don't see it, you don't experience it. But it it, it does exist, and it is a big deal. Um, so, and honestly, the reason why Black Lives Matter was started was a direct uh, response to the killing of Trayvon Martin. Um, I, I don't exactly remember when that happened. Uh, 2018 like, or seven? No. no, it was. I, th I think, think it was. Maybe it was. I think it was sooner than that. It was um, 2012. Oh, okay, 12. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I, I was going to say 2013. So yeah, because, but... yeah, it was. Yeah, 2012. And, and I mean, for anybody that doesn't know about that case, that is one of the most sickening, absolutely ridiculous cases that I've ever, ever heard. And, and I'll be honest, I mean, over um, like obviously quite clearly i'm british and we didn't hear necessarily too much about it maybe i was a little bit younger so it wasn't i you know i didn't it didn't pick up on it as much and i think it was a south park episode that actually brought it to to light really? <laughs> and the, the south, park, south park did like a, a parody episode on it and it was like the premise was so ridiculous but i'd seen enough south park that i knew that a lot of it was you know all the stuff they did was based on some kind of like real issues so i i kind of like looked at it and then I was shocked at how close to the truth there, like what seemed like a ridiculous kind of over-exaggeration of, of the situation. Yeah. And, I'd, you know, by the time I'd read the real case, I was like, fucking hell, like how how does this even happen? Like how how is that allowed to happen? How is somebody allowed to walk free from from that as well? I don't know if, if you want to give a moment just to kind of give a quick recap of the, the story for the people who don't know it. Um, you know, to be honest, I just, I just know that it happened. Um, I know that Trayvon Martin was very young. Um, mm -hmm. I believe he was playing with a toy gun, right? Yeah, he he was had a toy gun in a in a park, and somebody reported him for that, basically. Right. Yeah, and I know he was very young. Um, and and really, just the reason why it was so shitty it was just because i mean we've seen i don't even know how to word this properly but we've seen other situations where folks who have weapons who know for sure that they have real weapons be apprehended in a way that 
is way more civil, you know, like they might get tased, tackled, and then handcuffed, and then boom, we're onto the we're onto the jail, we're onto the courtroom or whatever. But I mean, Trayvon Martin didn't even have that chance. And that is what Black Lives Matter means. You know, like just take them alive. You know, if you're gonna take them, take them alive. You don't and I mean unless I mean and and obviously situations it depends. If if you're being shot at, you know, if I was a cop and I was being shot at, like actually shot at, then yes, I would defend myself, I would do whatever I felt was necessary, you know, but a lot of these situations where these people of color are getting killed by police officers, that doesn't happen. You know, they they maybe might have a weapon, we don't know for sure, or they might just be under the influence of something, or they might have some mental health issues going on, and they're just automatically assumed, and they're shot. That's, mm. so that's, yeah. that's what Black Lives Matter means to me, is just, you know, just take them alive, period. Yeah, th- I think in a lot of the cases as well, it's that in most cases, it seems that the people who do the shooting tend to walk away free as well. There doesn't seem to be any retribution on them. I know George Zimmerman, George Zimmerman, who shot Trayvon Martin, he ended up being acquitted on all, you know, on all charges. And that, you know, it doesn't make it right, but at least if there was some justice on the other side after and then you know they was made to pay for the crimes that they, they committed and made to pay for the murder it may you know soften it a little bit obviously it doesn't bring the person back but when they actually end up walking away and having their life as usual after you know committing a crime like that that almost you know that that's like rubbing salt in the wound almost mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and i mean just to um kind of like bring it back around to what what else it means for me black lives matter um Historically, in this country, black folks, colored folks, period, have just kind of gotten the short end of the stick. I mean, I mean, since we were brought here, right? We we were brought here to build a country with, I mean, without payment, shitty treatment, um, and that sucks. And that a lot in a lot of ways, those those systems have kept up. They just have different names now. You know what I mean? And it would be amazing to just see all that go away. Um, and I mean the what is it called? I think it's the the school to prison pipeline. I read about that the other day, and that that's just insane. Or the fact that there's still like for profit prisons. Um, yeah, where... the, I think the prison system is one of the the, the one of the prison the prison systems is the ma- one of the major things for especially as like say again as a as a Brit looking from the outside, the fact that prisons can be run for profit, right? And, you know they there's benefits from having people in there. It, it's, it's, it's insane for us to, to look at. We kind of go, but what, how is that even, even allowed? And it just, it seems like from the end of slavery, what happened was people, you know, slavery didn't end. It just shifted and took a, took a different face in, in the form of, of prisons. And I think we've mm-hmm. mentioned it on the podcast before. There's a, a Netflix documentary called the 13th, which explains how that happened in such detail. And, you know, they give, they, they, you know, they really deep dive onto the issue and it's an amazing documentary for anyone that hasn't seen it. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I, I want to add, like, as a Scandinavian, we, I mean, I come from one of these uh, cozy little countries where we don't have a lot of crime and we don't have a lot of problems in general. Um, there are reasons for that. Uh, we've organized society <laughs> to avoid those kinds of things. Um, these, we're getting these problems now more and more. Um, what we're seeing is uh, a tendency to blame immigrants for that. And the, the fact of the matter is that 
the, the the actual thing to blame for that is um, uh, for-profit systems taking over what was uh, previously uh, state-run um, systems in different ways. That's the main reason. And yeah, some might uh, politically disagree with me on that, but uh, they're wrong. Period. Um, <laughs> Period. But but no. So, so here we go. Here we go again. That, that, that's what's going to get us in trouble this week. Oh yeah. Right. Um, but no. Like so 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 for me, for me, um, hearing about these things and learning about these things is is mind blowing. Like that, that these structures exist and 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 those are the conditions that people live under uh, simply because. Uh, they have another skin tone. Um, this 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 is beyond me. I am familiar with some of the aspects of this from my home country, Denmark. Um, um, my uh, uh, several of my very good friends, oldest friends, um, are uh, mixed race themselves. And yeah, you know, growing up, uh, hanging out, being teenagers, uh, it, hanging out on street corners and that kind of stuff. I've seen some of this like uh, uh, affect them in different ways and thought to myself, well, yeah, we, we're in a predominantly white country. Uh, so, yeah, some of this uh, will, of course, happen. They will be treated differently and so on. Um, but but yeah, no, this is um, I want to I want to add something to this. So so as a European. Uh, yeah, it's wild. And I think it's just been amazing to see. Um, how many people on the outside don't believe that these things still exist just because it doesn't happen to them. And that's been one of my biggest takeaways from this year is that there are so many people, I mean, in my circle, in my family, people that I associate with who are taking the stance of like, Oh, you know, just don't break the law and cops will leave you alone. Or, you know, you're just, you're looking for that and that's why you see it and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And there's just that, that hits me like in my bones so much because it, it's baffling to me that you, that some people can sit there and invalidate someone else's life experience just because it's not the same as their own. You see it time and time again on, on kind of on Facebook or whatever, where people make their, their opinions and it's like, yeah, you say it's, they've either done something wrong or, uh, I guess like black people are being oversensitive, you know, it's not, not really happened. They're kind of looking, you know, they're, they're looking for situation. It's like, well, how about for a second, you just think maybe just maybe the fucking telling the truth and imagine like that situation. Like wh why do you have to go to this position of, well, Oh no, it's not, it's not real. Just because you like, just because like a white person, you don't, suffer from that doesn't mean it doesn't happen to other people maybe if you listened to what they say and, and you know, took the time to kind of go and, and listen to the situations then maybe you know and just say you know what it like what if they are telling the truth then it's a big fucking issue so how about you just listen rather than dismissing and going oh no 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 it's not true right but on the flip side it, what if it is and it's a fucking big issue if it is so so just you know, and like I say it's just mind-boggling and Especially when I talk about this, so I end up ranting and rambling because yeah, my brain's working at such a speed. That I'm kind of like, right? But how the fuck is this even a thing still? Like, what? And I get I frustrated, and the words don't come out. I'm like, ah. Yeah, it's maddening. I want to I want to add something to this. So, so as a European, um, I have grown up with um, fictions about America mostly. Right? You, you see a bunch of like TV from from the US uh, in in Europe and um, 
a lot of this, you know, sitcoms like Friends and uh, then later iterations like How I Met Your Mother. Um, everybody is nice and white in, in, in those, you know, sitcoms, right? Everybody's like this white person. And, and there's, like, the, 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 there's a whole group of people that's not represented in these uh, except as sort of like side characters and, you know, so, somebody who pops up, like How I Met Your Mother is a great example of this. We have Barney Stinson. He has a black brother who then shows up once in a while. And that's that, you know, um, this, this, this gives us a very skewed image, I would say, of like American society in general. Like um, uh, there's a lot of things that I've had to like relearn about American society. Um, and the, all the different peoples that are actually involved in creating the society and making it what it is. Um, and also, I, that is a very polished image that you get of, of the U.S. From, from shows like these. It's, um, it's, a, it's an image that actually very much resembles the kind of lives that we have in Scandinavia. And that, that's the interesting thing. You know, we as Scandinavians I think we can identify with it because it actually resembles the lives that ordinary people can have in Scandinavia in the sense of like um, uh, the, the financial uh, uh, situation for these people that you see, you know, um, everybody gets to go to college if they want to pretty much. Um, that's, you know, something that is available to Scandinavians because college doesn't cost tuition money. Um, so, so when somebody on that kind of show uh, mentions, "Oh, we uh, we went to college there and there," that that's just like normal to us, like because that's what anybody can do in in that country, right? That comes, of course, um, from the structures that have been created um, in those societies. They, there, there are certain things that are available to people that aren't available to people here in the U.S. And um, for me to, to like experience American society as, as living in it is an entirely different experience. Um, and, and I, uh, I, and this, I think is an, an important point to Europeans who are listening to the show, um, that the reality on the ground here is so much different. Like it is, it is so much different. I, I have never had that, like, has I've never seen as many cops in the streets as I have seen here in the U.S. Like that, I've been in multiple European countries, never seen so many cops. There are cops everywhere. You know, <laughs> it's an entirely different life that, than the one that we actually see on TV. And I think that's so incredibly important to to keep in mind too that um, that there's the America in the media, and then there's the America in in reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess just to piggyback, piggyback on that, um, that just made me, made me think of something. And I guess if you relate back to like the Norse mythology and, and like the Viking age, I guess you, it, we assume that we don't find everything. So, you know, like the, the things that we found, we know that we haven't found every piece of, let's say like rune sticks. Like, you know, you've only found like 5% of that. So to relay that back, like, you see all these videos online of police brutality. Now you have to assume that maybe only 5% of those are in a situation where somebody's managed to get a phone out, be able to film it, you know, be able to document it. So how many cases and how many times does it happen where nobody had a phone? Maybe the cell phone was dead. Maybe the, the police 
threw them to the ground before they had time to get it out. Maybe they were on their own. So there's all these times that don't get documented, and that's the mm-hmm. scary thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that is one thing that my buddy James Boyd touched on in his interview in the Death of My Metal, Not of My Streets show. Um, that He said that exact thing. You know, If we see all this shit happening now, what was happening back before everyone had a camera in their pocket? I mean, historically, decades long, like generations of this shit, you know, it, it is super scary. Yeah, I think to some people, they almost have this mentality like it's a new thing. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden in the last few years, like this police brutality has just popped up out of nowhere. And it's like, well, no, it's that everybody has a, a video camera in their pockets or usually like in their hand, probably like 95% of the day. Oh, yeah. And they're able to document it. And that's why you see it. It's not because it's just suddenly started. Yeah, it, it's crazy, too, because I, I recently got in touch with um, my family on my dad's side, uh, my black family. I grew up not knowing them. So that's another huge thing about this year that's just been done loads for my sense of identity. But I was talking to my grandpa and he grew up in the Carolinas and then uh, moved to New York. I can't remember how old he was, but I mean, he grew up in the Carolinas and he told me um, just kind of in passing one time we were on his we were on a messenger video chat and he was like. We were talking about a certain topic that led into him saying, yeah, back in the day, you didn't know who you were talking to during the day face to face that were wearing the sheets at night. And he said that he would have to, that he's, he's literally run from clan members before. And like, he's had to run for his life and he's almost 80, you know? So I don't know, Mm -hmm. maybe he was in his twenties, maybe he's a teenager when this shit was happening. Yeah. I mean, you only have to, you only have to look back to, like at the dates of some of the clan lynchings, and they weren't that long ago. No, you know, you're talking maybe like fifty years, fifty five years, which is such a short fucking length of time. It's it's ridiculous. I just want to add. Then you have after that, you know, um, homicides, and um, uh, then you get racially motivated homicides, right? And you know the, the 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 definition of some of these lynchings have changed, but there are still lynchings going on. Absolutely, that's that's the kind of stuff that doesn't necessarily make it to mainstream media in the UK as well. Like you, the the big stuff happens. Obviously, like the the George Floyd killing that sparked, you know, a protest around the world. That obviously makes it to you know BBC, but the this it's not even small isn't the right word because it's not a small issue, but like because it maybe happens so often, that doesn't make, you know, worldwide news. So people don't realize that that stuff is still going on. Yeah. And, you know, my home country, Denmark, had a lynching yeah. happening not so long ago. A, uh, um, a person of uh, mixed racial background was killed at sort of like a beach party kind of thing in, um, on the uh, island of Bornholm. Um and the police uh, and the entire establishment in Denmark refuses to to talk about this as as a hate crime, as a racially motivated crime, even though uh, those two individuals who are involved here, a couple of brothers, have uh, links to uh, verifiable white supremacist groups, and you know, I think one of them also has like a Nazi tattoo. You know. Yeah, <laughs> Lord. Yeah, no, these are, and I think, you know, for, for a lot of people who aren't like the, you know, all those people on the sidelines of these things, you know, um, regular people, 
uh, out there. I think it's really hard to recognize that these kinds of things might be going on in their community. I think that's that's the main problem here, that for, for that large group of, of regular people out there, it's really hard for them, as you were also pointing out before, Sierra, that you know, if it doesn't happen to you, if you're not being discriminated when you go to a hospital or you don't experience getting pulled over for being black in a car or something like that, right? Then, you know, it's really hard to to wrap your mind around these things being like actually happening to other people, right? And I think that's where we're seeing a lot of dissonance. Absolutely. I, I think that's where a lot of people learn too. Because, I mean, I am very much that way. Uh, I have to learn the hard way with all things. I don't, I will admit that I generally will not validate something just like knee jerk reaction. I won't validate it until it happens to me until I experience it. And then I'm like, Oh fuck, you know, like shit that did, that was awful. That did make me feel like crap that did that. And, it, and then everything changes. And like the best thing that I can describe that with is like, I mean, not, not to get super off topic, but like growing up, I never had anxiety, right? Never had any sort of, problems with with that personally um my boyfriend all the time anxiety issues panic attacks whatever and i would always come to him with that aspect of like you're okay you're gonna be fine take a deep breath get a cup of coffee go take a shower snap out of it you know you just snap out of it and he's like it don't fucking work that way you can't i can't just snap i mean i can like i mean i'm, I'm in doing therapy i'm I'm reading this book i'm trying to do this but you cannot i cannot just snap and then i was like yes you can you mm-hmm. know and then it wasn't until i started having my own issues with anxiety and having panic attacks and, and my heart's racing and i can't think and then i was just like oh my f- god first of all i am so sorry second of all yeah this fucking sucks ass mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it wasn't until that i went mm-hmm. through something similar yeah before i was like Okay. Absolutely. I I, I know your your pain on that one. I used to be the same until uh, I had to do the the best man's the the, the best man speech at my best friend's wedding, and the whole week before, Mm. like I just felt I had this feeling that I'd never had before. I had like a a, like a little pain or a pressure in the front of my head, like my chest felt tight, and I was like, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what? I think I even went to the doctor and like. I'm not sure what's wrong with me. I feel like I'm like I'm having an aneurysm or something. And he's like, "No, this is you know, you've got anxiety." I'm like, "Oh, oh shit!" Like, it's it's not yeah, yeah like that shit is yeah. real, man. And that that's it. And like you know, not to downplay anybody that that, that suffers with it because, but like you say, you don't until you experience it. You don't realize, you know, how fucking shitty it actually is. And as you said quickly, there's there's a couple of questions I really want to ask you and. Um, I'll try to break yeah. them down, I guess, because they like, say so you 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 play in a, a lot of metal bands, and I've always kind of seen. I, I listen to quite a lot of metal music, and the majority of it is white men. So I want to kind of get your experience on like being, you know, a mixed race female, you know, like a female as well in in that kind of world, and and how that how that is and how that works. And secondly, I guess we can jump on it to after is you also get a lot of the, the kind of like the white supremacy groups tend to be metal oriented and, and the, the, the twats that use North culture in their, their stuff. Um, you know, that, tend, right, yeah. so, so again, you know, having that kind of in that world and you also being a mixed race female, like how does that tie in? And, and 
do you ever like play at the same events where some of these people are and you kind of like well this is a fucking awkward one <laughs> yeah yeah so um just to start with the first question um when i first got into metal and it's it's funny because I mean, both my parents listen to metal, but it was largely my dad who got me into metal. And my dad is African-American. Um, and he's a drummer as well. He's who taught me, and he's kind of who got me into the whole thing. So um, as far as growing up, it was never really a thing. I didn't really – I wasn't really like, oh, I'm listening to white people music. You know, it was it was never that prevalent until I kind of grew up and started going to shows, right? And then I kind of – looked around once or twice and was like, yeah, I'm the only black person here for sure. And it's kind of weird. I mean, I have been very fortunate in the fact where I haven't been a victim of overt racism. Like I've never been attacked. I've never been, um, not like not served because you know, the color of my skin, like I've always gone into a place and been seated or gotten a beer or whatever. Uh, but there's always looks, you know, there's always people, kind of like size just sizing you up a bit like what's this person about are, are mm-hmm. they cool you know like i want like can i say this around them or can i like how comfortable are you or or or, or it's the other like oh you're in our environment like let me tell this joke with the n-word in it just to see if you're just see if you can hang you know so i mean it's it's really been a lot of that mm-hmm. um but i've kind of taken pride too in being the only black person around sometimes at shows absolutely just because I, I, I try to, I've always tried to not let it get to me. And since this year, the safety blanket's been ripped off of everything, you know, um, all of that stuff has kind of come back. But like back in the day, I would always make it a point to like walk a little taller and speak a little louder and just kind of act that way purposely just to show folks that like, I'm not intimidated. Um, and I didn't really realize that that's what I was doing until, un- until I grew up and was like, oh, fuck. Um, but you definitely kind of have to do that a bit because people don't take you seriously. You know, like, uh, when I started playing shows, there have been a handful of times where I, I show up with my drums and I'm the first person in the band there and I'm, tr- I'm trying to find the promoter or the door guy, like, Hey, where do we load in? Can we load in? Blah, blah, blah. And I've literally walked on stage and been like, Hey, is this where I set up my drums? And the sound guy will be like, yeah, just let the drummer know that they can set up right there. And I'm just like yeah that's me i'm the drummer i can set up here okay cool you know people just don't they just automatically assume that like i'm not in the band or Mm. i'm a girlfriend or i'm this or that so you kind of have to put your foot down and be like i'm here i'm the fucking drummer where do you want me to set up my shit and that's just the attitude i've taken you know it's kind of like made me have a bit of a tough shell i'm super soft on the inside but like in those situations you really have to you have to fight for your validation almost you know, because people just assume that you're just another chick at the bar or fucking whatever else, you know. If I can just share one thing with the, uh, about this, like, so I have um, uh, some experiences that, that are vaguely similar. Um, they're, of course, not based on race. They're based on how I dress. And that's, uh, oh, okay. that's a major difference. I, I mean, I choose, I choose to dress like this. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, when I, when I uh, do things in academia, People are always like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> Did that dude yeah. with t- tattoos on his hands and like uh, uh, a cap and and you know not really. I mean, for a while here, especially like when I first landed in Colorado, the, uh, 
I, I, I realized that Americans, they respond, uh, they, they respond to like those first impression kind of things, mm. right? They, what they see Definitely. is like equal some kind of like category they have in their head. So I started wearing a tie because then everybody would call me sir. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it sounds right. It was just, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun for a while. Then I got sick of it because I'm like, uh, you know, yeah, wearing a tie can be fun, but, but, you know, I think it's ridiculous to, uh, you know, put it in these banal idioms, but judge a book by its cover. Um, oh, yeah. so yeah, I started, um, as I, I went back to how I usually look, you know, t-shirts, sometimes a cap. Now I wear a truck cap all the time because it's just been part of, become part of my identity. And yeah, when I, when I walk into academic settings, people are like, who the fuck is this guy? Right. And, and I, I, I get this, like, I have to like build myself up in the same way as you're describing right there is like, yeah, I'm the fucking drummer, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm the fucking teacher. Yeah. I'm, I'm the guy who's going to be teaching you <laughs> stuff here. I will admit, I am completely guilty of that, especially with you. When when you told me you were a fucking professor, I was like, wait a minute, what? Like, <laughs> you don't look like a professor. Like, at least not one go. that I've ever seen. You know, it's just that, con- it's that conditioning no, it, it that we've all had. All. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, we're all conditioned yeah. to think that, like, athletes are supposed to look like this, and doctors are supposed to look like that, and it it's so stupid. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. No, and uh, and it's like uh, I've I've even I guess you know I, I've even had like an encounter with the campus police one time, where they oh, obviously shit. thought I was some kind of uh, crazy bum. Uh, wow! <laughs> so so what I what, what I used to do when I was teaching Danish classes, um, I would take my students out and walk around on campus and talk about things in Danish, trying to teach them basically the environment that they walk around in. Um, in another language and this one time is standing with them um and it, this was sort of like a recap situation where we had already learned a bunch of words and i wanted them to remember them and and trying to say them and i was pointing at a uh intersection i was asking them what is the word for intersection in danish and they're all standing there and like concentrating trying to remember and this cop rolls by and he's like what's going on here <laughs> Jesus Christ. obviously <laughs> thought I was some, <laughs> some random who had just like walked on campus and you know started rambling at the kids <laughs> you're like he, uh no I, I, you, I, yeah. I work here thank you yeah it's like I, I'm, I'm teaching them he's like teaching them what <laughs> <laughs> yeah Te- just teaching them isn't a good enough excuse <laughs> no, right exactly so no, I, I, I mean, these are obviously uh, the, the, the fundamental difference here is that, I mean, the reason that I am being, quote, profiled, unquote, uh, is, you know, uh, things that I've chosen to put on my body. It is not my body in and of itself. And that's a, that's a, uh, a very important difference. But I mean, it, I, in some way, I feel like I can relate to some of the things you're saying there. Um, and it must be incredibly frustrating to have that situation happen to you all the time, just because you are the person you are. Yeah. Super frustrating. Especially when you're coming from the point of like, this is what you love to do. This is part of who you are, whatever that is, you know, maybe you're you're a weightlifter or you're a musician or you're a medical person. Like you've spent so much time doing this, becoming this, learning the ways and you're ready to work. 
and you're ready to share your art or share whatever it is that you're doing. And then you get to, you get to your first job or something and you're, and they're like, cool. Where's the actual person? Cause it, it can't be you. It clearly right. it's not you, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it just it invalidates your whole fucking experience, you know? So I've, Absolutely. I've taken that and tried to undo my own conditioning with that too, because I mean, there's things that I assume as well. I mean, we're all conditioned to certain like stereotypes and like, Oh, people from this country are obviously all poor or people who do this or this. And it's been a really eye opening experience to try and step away from that, like get out of that box, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think we all need to do that a little bit. Um, so to jump back onto like the second part of the question, um, I think I was, when I was doing a little bit of research before the show, and I, I saw was there like a group of white supremacist kind of metal bands that tried to do a concert in Colorado maybe a few years ago or something that got shut down or stopped? Yeah, that and, happens. And I was wondering often. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was going to say. Like, I was wondering like how that not only or like say as a, you know as a black lady, I, how does that you have a closer connection also that it's. The, the same way I guess like me and Mateus do is like it's the Viking culture, it's the Norse culture and you have an extra little attachment to this group of people that are kind of like letting down your team almost, you know, like mm. whether it's the metal music or it's the like the Nordic culture, you like you have this group of like, let's call them well, the Ark Hunts who <laughs> are just, just, just basically, you know, they, they put in a whole bad name, you know, bad name on the whole thing and the whole community. So like, how does how does that work and how do you kind of get across that and like today have you ever had to play a gig where there is one of these bands playing and just be like how i don't understand how you can how you go about that without even just saying something or i don't know yeah i mean as far as like the shows coming through town that get shut down um I mean, so me me personally, I'm still trying to figure out where I stand on where do I separate the art from the artist. Like, will not lie, I'm I'm still figuring out how I feel about that because I have been known to like some black metal bands who are a little too far over there. You know what I mean? And I know that now. Didn't know that mm-hmm. when I first started listening to them. Uh, but now I know now and I'm like, fuck, I still have a connection to their music. The music that they created still did something for me, but like now I know they're racist piece of shit. So like, do I still support them by listening to their music, buying merch, or do I just say fuck them? And I'm I'm still largely trying to figure out how I feel about that. Um, that's that's always a really tough one. I don't know. If there was yeah. um, there's a there's a Welsh band called uh, Lost Profits, and I'm not sure whether how big they were in America, but. In the UK, there was pretty big in like the the 2000 era where, you know, kind of poppy rock was was big. You know, and they had a couple of good songs, but it turned out that the the lead singer was, uh, was a pedophile on the highest level of grotesque. Like he would convince um, some of his fans who had babies to kind of like do oh, all Lord. kind of, like all fucked up shit, like on the, wor- the worst spectrum. And it came out and he's now serving... Plenty, many, many years in prison. But you got like, I always think there must be people who like have their lyrics tattooed on them, have their logo tattooed on them. The music is still on Spotify. And then it's also the like to the other level, it's like there is three other members in the band who 
have lost all royalty rights probably forever on on music that they maybe equally created because of this one sick fuck. And it's like that kind of they reminded me of that conflict of is it okay to listen to the music right. because you're not directly supporting them? There's other people involved, but equally, it's like I really don't want to listen to the music because of the, the extreme nature of the things that somebody involved did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I. I was just going to say, I'm, I feel like I'm leaning towards kind of just drawing the line with, with bands like that, you know, like we mm-hmm. didn't know this when we started going down the rabbit hole of this band, listening to their music. And like, we established a connection because the music, because music is music and that's what music does, you know? But I think once you kind of realize what the music is rooted in, then to me, that's like, okay, well now I know where this shit comes from. And that's not how, what I identify with. That's not how I align myself. It's not what I want to align myself with. So maybe, maybe I'm going to back away now, you know? So I, I think like the older I get, that's kind of where I'm at. Like it was cool back then, you know, and you grow too and you grow out of certain stages in your life. And back when I got into black metal, I was just young and reckless and only cared about being reckless. And that was the music that like served that highest good that I could find. You know what I mean? And now that I've grown a little bit, I'm like, yeah, we don't need to be cold all the fucking time. You know, it's, it's fine. We can (laughs) put a little pause on that. So now, you know, but as far as like, you know, if I ever had to play a show with white supremacists or whatever, I don't know that I've ever have. I've definitely been to a show where there were some skinheads. Um, It was, it was a mayhem show in Denver Mm -hmm. and um, there was, a small crew of folks who were clearly skinheads and I'm not gonna lie. I was intimidated for sure. Um, I was there with all my friends. I mean, I know a lot of people in Denver and in Northern Colorado who we all would go to shows together. Like that was the time that we all saw each other. And it's a, the Denver metal scene, the greater Denver metal scene is very large and we're all interconnected by like some person or one band. We all kind of know each other a little bit. Um, so, I mean, I was surrounded by folks that like would have thrown down if it, if it came to that. Um, but I did observe a little bit and those guys, they really kind of just kept to themselves. They weren't really mingling with anybody else. Um, they definitely saw me. I mean, I made eye contact with one of them and was a bit of a stare off, but I mean, I didn't like cower, I guess is the word, you know, I tried to try to hold my ground, you know, just mm-hmm. the best I could, but I'm not going to lie. I was shaking in my fucking boots for sure. Cause I just didn't know how real they were, you know? Cause there's a lot of assholes out there that like look the part and try to be tough, but when it comes down to really doing shit, they're, they're, they ain't going to do shit, you know? But I couldn't tell how these guys were. So I just did my best. To, I, I tried to not let them intimidate me. I tried to stay where I was standing. I didn't move for them, you know what I mean? Um, they didn't really come too far near me, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to look like I was running away, I guess. And that's, that's kind of how I handled that. As far yeah. as, like, if I played a show, if, if my band got booked with, another band that was like that and we knew about it before the show, I feel like we would definitely have a conversation and be like, Hey, do we want to share the stage with these guys? Cause you know, I feel like when you play a show, I mean, I don't know, depends on what level of band you are, but when you play shows on the lower level, the local level, I feel like it, there's more of a camaraderie there. Like we're all on the scene and we're all in this together and you want to play shows with people that you enjoy being around. Um, so I, I would definitely have a talk with my dudes and just be like, Hey, do we want to fucking, be in the same space as these guys you know you know what does that what does that look like for us because i know when people come see shows they'll they'll be like oh people know that these guys are nazis but like all these other bands are 
that's clearly not a problem for these other bands that they're going to play a show. Like I would definitely have at least a conversation, you know? Yeah. I, I can't really think of another situation where like, maybe the venue should, should probably have some responsibility to be like, look, you, we don't want to fucking book you guys because like in any other walk of like, you know, if, if there was people who were white supremacists, like they just wouldn't get booked or it would be attacked. And it feels, it seems kind of weird. The fact that even a venue would want to, to book anybody like that. And maybe it's because they're not getting the backlash from the audience because maybe it's a little bit more accepted. But that's what kind of like my opinion would be that the venue should just be like, we're not going to book you. And then suddenly you're going to force right. that stuff out of the scene. Absolutely. And I, I think that's what happened with one of the more recent shows in Denver um, that it like got canceled, got booked again, got canceled again, and then eventually had to go to like an underground invitation only type type place but i believe that venue was uh the high dive in denver once they figured out what was going on with bandmates and everything they were like yeah fuck y'all we do not want this in our house go somewhere else and i Mm -hmm. i dug that because they they put their foot down and they said this is what we stand for like these are the kind of people that are allowed in our venue and hateful people can fucking kick rocks and i was about it you know what i mean so Mm. i feel like more people should take that stance you know just not tolerate it yeah, I, I agree completely. And you know what? I, I feel like uh, uh, my experience of the Denver scene is actually that it's actually very eclectic and inclusive. You, know, you have yeah, people from so absolutely. many different backgrounds. Um, you know, a lot of metal shows in uh, in Scandinavia. If you ask me, this is like a huge sausage fest. There's like 90% dudes and that's that. But <laughs> you see a much like much bigger gender diversity in uh, in denver um in my opinion mm-hmm. at least that, that's what i've seen so far so i think you know um on all levels i i think that there's a very healthy metal scene in denver like a lot of good mm-hmm. people are involved and I, I i think that's so awesome um definitely sierra i wanted to ask you a question about um heritage we talked a little bit about this uh in private like yeah. this um Basically, you have you have two backgrounds here um, that uh, aren't um, that that are that are clashing in some weird way, right? In yeah. in the sense that you know, uh, on on your mother's side it's uh, German heritage, and on your father's side it's uh, West African heritage, and and these 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 two sides are, are basically going in different directions because obviously, I mean, we have on on the northern european side german side um uh, people who are appropriating our culture um to uh, uh to use it for racist bullshit um and do you want to speak a little to to how that works for you sure yeah um and honestly so i did a little bit of research on my mom's maiden last name which is heflin and that um most records i find say that that's it's actually gaelic um mm-hmm. so I might I might actually be Irish. I don't know. But once I get the do an ancestry test, we'll figure it out. Half the world's Irish, I think. <laughs> yeah, probably. It feels like everybody somewhere <laughs> has got some Irish in them. I which isn't it. a bad thing at all. No, not at all. Um but yeah, so one thing that I have kind of run into is actually more of like my colored friends coming at me and being like hey why are you getting into this because the only thing they've seen 
Mjolnir used for, or the Volknut, or any sort of symbology like that is on Nazis, right? So that's the only thing they have to, um, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Associate. That's the only thing they have to associate those symbols. I guess guess they associate with it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I try to do my best in that regard to kind of explain to them that, like, you know, even white folks come from indigenous people. Like, we all are indigenous if we go back far enough. And that these symbols are the symbol, like, the symbology that their native ancestors used for a whole lot of good, you know? And, like, it's, it's shitty that a group of people takes these things because they feel connected to that heritage as well, but they're using it for their shitty ideology, you know? So I try to just give people what, what small amount of history I have saying that, like, you know, these symbols kind of represent this or that. Um, and it's okay. I, I mean, I fucking think it's okay for white folks, especially to kind of reclaim the uh, spiritual traditions of their ancestors because that's what they were first, you know, like these symbols weren't, I mean, generally we're not symbols of hate, you know what I mean? And there's a lot of people from all backgrounds that are kind of going back to the, in, to the indigenous practices of their ancestors. And so we're seeing a lot of ancient symbology come up. And I mean, I think everybody should do that. Um, so yeah, I just try to decolonize that a little bit. Just tell folks that like, you know, if if black folks can go back to Africa and start using those symbols, then I don't see why white folks can't do the same with their ancestry and start reclaiming the meanings of those ancient symbols. Yeah, and I I, I really really like that um, um, that you say decolonize because uh, <laughs> I, James Baldwin uh, wrote this. Yeah. He 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 said that you know. Um, White supremacy and, and racism um, erases the background of the white person as well. Um, wherever these white people who are now in North America came from, right? They, their their culture, their uh, original identities were erased through, you know, becoming part of like this bland mass of white people. Um, and and that is that is that is also a um, a. a and, and and atrocity uh, to an extent, you know, it's not an atrocity at the same level uh, as you know slavery and and racially motivated hatred, um, but it is an atrocity towards your uh, your background and who you are and where you come from, right? Um, and, and I think it's a, it's really important to to recognize this. I think it's also really important for a lot of people out there to recognize that you know those who identify as uh, Scandinavians here in uh, in in the U.S. Uh, most of them, they uh, probably have, um, you know, you know, some percentage of Scandinavian, but it doesn't have to be that much. Um, there are uh, people that they would identify as Black people in Scandinavia that has more Scandinavian background than, than they do genetically. Right. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's another thing to keep in mind, right? That's that's twenty three and me giving letting people know these these tiny percentages so they can be right. upset about something yeah yeah it's like <laughs> again to go back to uh to, to reference south park again they, they they touch on this subject um and i think randy has a situation where he he wants to be offended for something like he wants he does a 23 and me and like he's hoping that he gets like a percentage of of 
like African American in him, so he can he can use it in some way. And it comes back that he he's like a small percentage Neanderthal, <laughs> and he he kind of goes down this route of being like, "You you fucking Homo sapiens, you killed my people," yeah. and kind of goes on this big rant. And it kind of touches true on like what some people get like when they do these tests and they find out they they've got this small percentage of something and then suddenly that's now their identity and and, right. and they're really offended by by things and I found that episode just to be so kind of like true to what to how some people act. My goodness, yes, and I can speak firsthandly to that because once all of this started here in America, I mean, with I mean for me. First, I mean, the first murder lynching that was just blew my mind and broke my heart was uh, Ahmaud Arbery. That one was really the first one where I, f- I felt connected to it somehow. And th- that that was it. And that that was kind of start. And then George Floyd happened after. And then after all this shit, I was just like, OK, fuck everything. Like, that's honestly what motivated me to get in touch with my black family. I started reading about things about black culture in America, African culture, African spirituality. I just, everything became African to me. Like for a solid two months, I just went down that rabbit hole and I explored that part of my identity and that became everything. And, and it got to the point where for me, I, w- I almost took it on too much. Like kind of like what you were saying there. Like I, I learned about this part of my identity and then it became everything. And then I like turned into this completely different person for a little while. Um, I feel like that was necessary for just my growth because I'd grown up not paying any mind to my black heritage at all. Um, but I definitely kind of went through that, like awakening of like being black conscious, you know, and just, oh my God, the rabbit hole was freaking real. And now I'm kind of coming back a little bit because (laughs) now I'm, now that I'm kind of calming down from that wave, um, I realized that, I mean, because I was, I was listening to a bunch of different podcasts and following folks who people on the other side would call just like radicals, right? Um, people that are just calling for um, abolition, defunding of the police, fucking just black healing, all of these things that people think are radical. Like I was listening to just, just that one side, you know, for the longest time that I was just, I was about it. And now that that's calming down, I'm kind of realizing that like, okay, that, that was necessary. I needed that to grow. But as much as I want that to be my whole being, it's it's not my whole being because there's still this other half of me, you know. So I very staunchly, as far as like heritage go or feeling like I belong on either side, I, I definitely, I feel like I belong in both and neither at the same time, you know. Like I can't fully identify with just being black yeah. and I can't fully identify with just being white, you know. Yeah, I was just about to ask how that kind of com- not not necessarily conflict because I think you, you can be proud of both, and there's nothing Definitely. wrong with being proud of both. But do you find you you don't necessarily get accepted, or they don't feel fully one way or the other? Like it has to be. Which mm-hmm. it's, it's quite it's quite sad to sad to hear that as well. Like that people do feel that that conflict that it has to be one or the other or or not fully either right. way. Right. Yeah, and it. You see it on on both sides. I mean, there's things that I do and say and think that white folks will be like, ah, oh, that's just because you're half black or, you know, they, they they can't vibe with that just, just because. And then I get it from the black side too. I mean, there's black folks who are 
like like why are you hanging out with these white? I mean, no one has actually like said it to my face, but I mean, I I, I know it's out there, um, and it, it does happen to other folks too. Like, you know, you stick with your culture. Why are you getting involved with these other people or this type of music or or whatever? Yeah, you know, I just I just hate it. <laughs> I hate it. So I just I basically what I'm saying is I do what I want. I do what feels right. You know and. Mm. That's I, 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 I love to hear that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's been a long the, time the, trying to figure so out fucking cool how I cultures. feel. Yeah I, yeah, I love it. This uh, right here, I think, you know, um, it hits the uh, nail on the head, you know. Um, outside is basically telling you that you need to like either go in this direction or that direction. You know, it's a, it's the, these are external processes that are, that are, that are being forced upon you. Um, whereas you as an individual, you want to define yourself as an individual <laughs> like, yeah. and, and decide I go yeah, in this no. direction if I want to go in that direction, you know? No, I, 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 I completely understand that. That's uh that must be so incredibly frustrating. Um, um, Again, personally, I can I can relate to that on some level because of uh, my own identity in in different boxes and outside of different boxes, um, and yeah, no, that can be an incredible struggle too. You have uh, you know you you have people you want to. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I, I was just going to say um, from the spirituality act, uh, side of things, that's been. An argument that I've been having with myself too, because um, when I when I was for a time there, I was identifying as heathen and I was going to ritual often. Um, I know I'm close with a few members of a kindred down in Denver, and they would invite us to uh, whatever ritual they were doing. If it was like an open ritual to friends and family, like more than just kindred members, um, we were hanging out with them often, and I was really starting to like feel at home, feel like I had a place there in that spiritual practice, and then. I I started feeling like I shouldn't be there because when like when talking about spirituality for me it's nowadays it everything's very ancestral right and so I feel like I started feeling like why am I here when my ancestors were over there you know but again some of my ancestors were on this side sure so I I I do feel like I have a spot there but I felt like I didn't fully belong there because I have this other side that's like pulling me this way. Like, no, you should be doing this. You know, you should be talking to these people. And so I, I just, I finally just said, fuck that. <laughs> and, um, have begun honoring both sides and honoring whatever those sides are. Like I said, I don't really know like bloodline wise where I'm from yet. I still would really like to figure that out. But as far as, you know, like what gods or what holidays or what, anything like that. I just, I found that they are largely very similar, but I just, I, I vibe with both and I do things with and for both now because mm. I, I have to, because I am both, you know, like that's my experience. <laughs> so, so those, those who think that the, you yeah. know, Viking stuff <laughs> sure. or Nordic mythology, Germanic stuff is just all about like that little spot up in Northern Europe and nothing else. Um, please revise that thought. Uh, cause, cause it is, it is more mixed than you, you, you tend to think. Um, it is later interpretations, 19th and 20th century interpretations that really sort of like, uh, limit us 
cultural elites is like one spot in Northern Europe. And um, I, I just want to put it out there that, uh, you know, that there's, a, there's a potential for so many different uh, connections or directions and, and mixing in general. Um, and yeah, and so and I, I, when like I, I totally understand the conflict that you've ex experienced in that regard, and but for me it like makes total sense um, that you would bring both uh, in and and that they would become your uh, your personal expression of spirituality. Of course, like that's that's like a no brainer to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so those those who think that the you know Viking stuff or Nordic mythology, Germanic stuff is just all about like that little spot up in northern Europe and nothing else, um, please revise that thought because uh, because <laughs> it is it is more mixed than you 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 tend to think. Um, it is later interpretations, nineteenth and twentieth century interpretations, that really sort of like uh, limit us culturally to like one spot in northern europe and um i i just want to put it out there that uh, you know that there's a, there's a potential for so many different uh connections or directions and and mixing in general yeah. um and yeah so and I, I when like i i totally understand the conflict that you've ex experienced in that regard and but for me it like makes total sense um that you would bring both uh, in, and and that they would become your uh, your personal expression of spirituality, of course. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's 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 a lot of the same too. Like, I, I don't want to like I don't want anyone listening to um, I don't want that to piss anybody off and just like water either side down with anything. But I mean, most oh, that's that's what we do now. We just piss people off all over. Okay, so don't cool. worry about <laughs> Um, That's so, like our thing now. Awesome. Um, I mean, what I've what I've realized though is that, especially from any indigenous group of ancestors, I mean, everybody just th their spiritual practice was the personification of nature, right? And so, largely across like the spectrum of spirituality, there's a lot of the same concepts, just with different names right? Like different gods and goddesses energies and a lot of similar stories. And so it, that, that kind of brought it home for me a little bit. Like maybe I'm worshiping the same thing. It's just these people called it this and these people called it that, you know? So that, that really kind of helped. I'm, I'm just gonna have to jump in and be really rude and we're gonna have to wrap this this one up. Um, it's all good, just man. for the fact, if, if, for, for the people that are watching, they'll notice I'm sat in a hotel room um we've come and done the stone lifting tour that we mentioned on the last one and we we got back to the hotel i think it was like half four we were recording at five so the two guys i'm sharing a room with i kicked them out and they're still mucky and sweaty from the day stone lift wandering around the hotel gardens whilst we record the podcast <laughs> nice. so i feel i feel rude to kind of just leave them out there um, so i don't want i don't want to be rude and, and of course you, you're welcome back on any time Awesome, yeah, dude. Um, just, I would love to continue the conversation for sure. I'm just a bit cautious of the the looks they're going to be getting where walking around in mucky kilts, kind of with chalk <laughs> all over the hands. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they've found a bar by now, but hey, you're you're in Scotland, awesome. man. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, no, exactly. 
this 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 was lovely. It was like I say, it was a great. It was a great chat. It was great to hear like the different uh, perspectives on things. Yeah, awesome. And I, this was like kind of the first time that I've not the first time I spoke like this openly about it, but like on a platform that mm-hmm. other folks are going to be listening to and stuff. So I, I hope that it helps open folks' minds. I guess you know to the possibility of other realities that people experience and stuff like that. So. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, I want to totally thank you for uh, coming on and uh, talking about these experiences. I mean, they're also very personal experiences, so it takes uh, courage also to, uh, you know, get on a podcast to to talk about them. So thank you so much for <laughs> for sharing your experience, here, Sierra. For sure. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I had fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, last couple of things for anybody that, that wants to watch the video episodes. We have our, our Patreon that's now live. All the videos will be on there. There's a bunch of other different perks. And that's Patreon forward slash Nordic Mythology Podcast. And it just helps us buy new equipment. It means I can hopefully buy a new camera so I don't look like a red fit. And I think my face looks the same color as my T-shirt, which is bright orange. So I don't really know what's going on there. That might be from the Lifting Stones or, or what. I think I need a, a sleep. And so, Sierra, if you want to let people know like where they can find you, if you want to go back over the band, type, band names again, so people can give them a Google, um, sure. give them a chest for, check them on Spotify, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name is Sierra White. Um, I am on Facebook. You might run into a page called Sierra White Official. That page might still be up. That was just kind of like a drumming artist page that I had. Um, and Sierra is spelled with a C, C-I-E-R-R-A. Um, mm-hmm. So you can find me on Facebook there. On Instagram, I am at Sierra Drums. Um, and then again, my bands are Oak, Ash, and Thorn. You can find us on Instagram at of Oak, Ash, and Thorn. Um, last word, you can find us on Instagram at last word foco, F-O-C-O. Um, and then Harvard, you can find us on Instagram, Harvard underscore music, and that's H-A-R-B-O-U-R-E-D, and the same on Facebook. Um, and then we've all got Spotify's and Bandcamps and yeah. I'll, the whole nine. I'll, what I'll so. do is I'll get I'll get a list off you and we'll put them in the in the show notes. Okay. And we also put like an episode pack together for people on Patreon. So they can they like give them you know the details and where to find it all. Awesome, yeah, that sounds great. Wonderful. So, Mateus, where can everyone find you? Well, you can always find me on Instagram. You can find uh, the Nordic Mythology channel on uh, Facebook, and uh, let's see. Um, you can also always check out my website, nordicmythologychannel.com. And yeah, I think that's uh, that would be it. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So you can find me. Uh, at Horns of Odin on Instagram, or my personal one is D underscore Farrand one, unless you want to hurl abuse at us, in which case, please don't use that. (laughs) (laughs) Or just don't. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, thank you very much. This has been fun. Um, Like You're welcome back anytime, especially if you do get around to doing the the ancestry tests and and find a little bit deeper on what they are, so that would be fun. Yeah, actually, I just want to add one thing when it comes to this whole thing of genetics so recently there was just a new uh, huge genetic study uh done on uh, on vikings they found out that uh my my ancient viking ancestors they were much more mixed with the southern european and asian uh genetics than uh, previously assumed so yeah that's uh that's something that we are going to be digging into uh hopefully later on on this uh, podcast awesome absolutely yeah thank you very much yeah thanks cool thanks guys